Welcome everyone to episode 37 of Down to Play. I'm your host, Next Gen Player. For this show, I'll be giving you my special early reviews of the medium on Xbox Series X and the Balan Wonderworld demo on the glorious PS5. So I was very lucky enough to get some early copies of both of these games. I just want to give a special thanks to Blooper Team and Square Enix for providing copies of the games in this episode. All right, let's kick off this episode, and we're going to head into the spirit realm to confront our biggest fears in the medium on Xbox Series X. So the medium is a third-person psychological horror game where you play as a character named Marianne. She's a young woman, and she's got an uncanny ability. She possesses psychic powers, and she's able to see and explore this spirit world, which is a dark reflection of her own reality, where things that we repress can come to life and take on a terrifying form. The game is developed and published by Blooper Team, and those are the makers of Blair Witch and Layers of Fear and Observer. Um, three games that I really liked, and anyone who's a fan of horror games or psychological horror games definitely should be familiar with some of those titles. So, The Medium is out on January 28th for Xbox Series X and S, and also PC. And, of course, the game is going to arrive day one on Xbox Game Pass. So let's get into things that I liked about The Medium. Well, I have to say, I mean, I'm so excited to have a chance to play this game. This is definitely, I would say it would have been my most anticipated Xbox game. I have just been following this game since it got announced. I was kind of upset because it was supposed to launch with the Xbox Series X and S back in November, but it got delayed. But thankfully it wasn't delayed for that long, just a couple of months. And here we are in January, the end of January, and the game is finally coming out. To set the stage for this game, I've been playing for about the last five days or so. I would say that overall it's about a maybe like an eight to ten hour experience. And it's very, very much inspired by the classic survival horror game. So anyone who's played the Silent Hill, Resident Evil, I think you're really going to love this game. It's definitely got a lot of elements um, from those games and uh, it sort of brings it into the into the new generation here. So, but... One thing that I want to say is that unlike those games, there's not a whole lot of combat in the medium. So it's more of a psychological horror game that's sure to raise the hairs on your arms and send some chills down your spine. So you play, as I said, a woman named Marianne. She's a medium, so she can see into a spirit world. The spirit world is like this corrupted, decaying version of the real world, and it's filled with all kinds of nasty sights and and evil creatures so i don't really want to get into the story too too much because i don't want to spoil it for anyone who's listening but needless to say it's a pretty messed up tale there's a lot of twists and turns that happen throughout the game so from a story perspective it's it's definitely very interesting and and kept me engaged over the entire 10 hour experience what i will say is that you meet all kinds of characters in this game some of them you'll meet in the real world, most of them you'll meet inside the horrifying alternate spirit reality. So there's definitely some cool and in interesting characters that you're going to come across in this game. Now, the big thing with this game is that, so you can venture into the spirit realm 
And you can actually do that in a lot of horror games. But what really sets the medium apart is that you can actually enter the spirit realm while also retaining control and being able to see Marianne in the real world. So what actually happens in the game is there's split screens that happen. So, and it's pretty cool the way that it happens because the split screens, they're not always vertical split screens. They're, they're not always horizontal split screens. It really just changes depending on the scene. So it's whatever the developers want you to focus in on. And in, the split screens are not always 50-50 either. So you might have, there might be one scene where maybe 70% of the screen is the spirit realm, 30% is the real world, because, you know, there's some things that are happening in the spirit realm that the developers want you to really focus in on. Or vice versa, like you could, there could be a cutscene that's maybe 80% in the real world, 20% in the spirit realm, because there's just things that are happening in that place. So it's kind of cool. It, it, it has this like really interesting dynamic because anytime you enter the spirit realm, you're not really sure how it's going to be reflected on screen. So there's a lot of visual variety and, um, you know, some, some cool different angles that you get to see the action. What's also interesting too, is that Marianne has a completely different look in each of these worlds as well. In the real world, she looks like a regular woman. In the spirit realm, she's got white hair, tattered clothes. She gets special abilities in there. So it's almost like this like half demon version of herself. And as I said, you can see you can actually control her and see her in both realms at the same time. So you're you're essentially controlling two characters at once, which is pretty interesting. I have to say that you know the best use of the split screen in this game is when it comes to the cutscenes. So a lot of the cutscenes are split screen, and it's really, really, really awesome because not only can you see the cutscene from the real world and the spirit realm, which gives you like you know essentially two complete visual aesthetics, right? Because you know the real world is is like your typical survival horror game filled with abandoned factories and haunted forests and stuff like that. But the spirit realm is just full of all nasty things like, you know, flesh hanging from the walls and blood stains everywhere and bats and crows and all that stuff. So it's really cool to, in the, in the cutscenes you get to see it from both of these different realms at the same time. But what's also cool is that the camera positioning will actually be different in both the realms. So you might have close up let's say like in the real world of marianne's face so you can see the sadness or the 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 terror that she has but then this that same moment in the spirit realm might have sort of like a mid shot so you, you can see like you know where she is and you can see all the way around her so yeah you get sort of like dynamic perspectives of of the action which is really really awesome and it's interesting too because there's some differences between the, the two realms so there might be objects that ex exist in one that doesn't exist in the other. So, for example, like there might be a scene where Marianne is playing with a ball in the spirit realm, and you'll actually see her playing with essentially thin air in in the real world because <laughs> you'll she'll be like tossing the ball up in the air and stuff like that, and you'll see her actually do the actions, but you don't see the ball. So, yeah, it's kind of like it's kind of really interesting to to just sort of see these different perspectives. Now, the one thing that's that's cool, too, is that so you can actually enter the spirit realm and pretty early on in the game, you actually gain the ability to put all of her consciousness inside the spirit realm. So you can actually, you know, it could be like a split screen, but then you change it into entirely the spirit realm. 
And that's when things get super creepy because the spirit realm is a nasty, horrible place that you don't want to be in, but you have to be in that realm to solve certain puzzles or to advance the story. Now, inside the spirit realm, that is where you get to meet this creature. And oh my god, this creature. It's named the Maw. I won't really get into too much about the Maw, but... The Maw is voiced by Troy Baker, so obviously some great voice acting with the Maw. But what I will say is that the Maw is essentially like Mr. X or the Nemesis from Resident Evil. So anyone familiar with those franchises, you know, you'll everyone knows and uh, probably has a love-hate with those characters because they, they end up stalking you for majority of the adventure. And whenever you see them, it's terrifying. And the Maw is the same way. So the the Maw is just this recurring character that will drive you crazy because he is deadly, he is scary, he says some of the worst things that I've ever heard an enemy say. He basically describes how he wants to kill you and he just goes on and on and on and he rambles and rambles and rambles and it is just haunting. It is terrifying. So they did a really good job with the Maw. He's definitely one of the most memorable villains that I've, I've seen in a survival horror game. So I think a lot of people are going to be talking about the Maw when this game releases. Now, just like in Resident Evil, you got to investigate a whole bunch of objects so every room that you get into, you have to look around for areas of interest. You can pick up keys, you can pick up notes, you can pick up utility things like, uh, say, like a hunting knife to cut things, or there are bolt clippers. So again, just like Resident Evil, you've got some bolt clippers. There's definitely lots of chained up doors that you've got to cut. So again, if you're a fan of Resident Evil and you just sort of like investigating each room and looking at each nook and cranny trying to find hidden collectibles and knickknacks or secrets that are going to help you progress in puzzles you've got that in spades in the medium now i have to say too like as far as the audio visual goes for this game i mean graphically it looks really good it looks amazing on the xbox series x now audio also is good i definitely recommend headphones there's some great use of 3d audio you're going to hear you know, the maw from all around you. You're going to hear shrieks and cries from all these things that you want to avoid. It just sounds really good. And it looks really good. The one thing that I have to say, though, is the graphics do seem to take a little bit of a dive when you're in both realities at the same time. They still look good. Don't get me wrong. But they just don't look as polished as when you're playing in just one of these realities. It makes sense because the game engine is essentially rendering two locations at the exact same time they all look substantially different so the game has to render different environments and different textures and as a result i saw a slight dip in the quality during these split screen moments but again like i said it still looks pretty good and the majority of the game would be played in a single realm so the majority of the game just looks excellent in terms of things that I didn't like, I think the big thing for me really is that there's not enough character development for some specific characters. So overall, the story is great. Highly recommend it. You get to learn about Marianne a lot. She's the starring character of this game. There's a couple of other characters that come back. They're recurring characters that you'll see a lot in various scenes. And you get to learn a lot about them too. But there's some pretty central characters that you don't actually get a chance to meet for a long time like something you don't you don't actually meet until close to the very end of the game like you'll hear a name in a conversation 
and then you might read a note about them and then you might get a flashback audio file of them talking so you sort of get a sense of who they are you might enter their room or their office space stuff like that but you don't actually get to meet the character and it's hard to connect to those characters there was a bunch of characters that I would say that I didn't really even care about their backstories or their motivations or anything like that until closer to, to the end of the game. You do eventually get to meet them all and they end up being some interesting characters and they really play a central point in the overall story. So, you know, by the end, I, I had a, a different perspective of them. But, you know, it's, it's a 10 hour game and if if the majority of the game you're just sort of hearing somebody's name, it's just... Yeah, it's not the, it's not all that interesting. The good thing about it is that, as I said, Marianne is the focus. She, you you get to explore her to a, a great degree. So from the a main character perspective, definitely really good. I just would have wished the other characters got fleshed out a little bit more, maybe seen some more cutscenes with them and stuff like that. So I think that about sums up my experiences with the medium. If it's not abundantly clear, it's a great game. It's aimed squarely at fans of linear story-driven games and especially fans of Resident Evil or Silent Hill fans. There's been a lot of hype for this game obviously it's uh you know the, the Xbox Series X didn't launch with many or, or any exclusives so this might be the first big exclusive coming to the Series X and I think it delivers. For me it's the best story-driven game that I've played on Xbox probably since Ori in the Blind Forest so that I think was back in 2015 so at least the best story-driven game in the last five years or so. And I think Xbox was really needing a good story-driven single-player linear game like this. Anyone who likes horror games should definitely check this game out. Anyone who's got uh, Xbox or a Game Pass or a PC, definitely check out this game. So I've had a lot of fun with it. I think it's a really solid title. I'm going to give the medium an 8.5 out of 10. All right, so moving on. The next and last review of this episode is, is Balan Wonderworld. This is a demo review. There is a demo that Square Enix announced last week that's going to be coming to all platforms. So PS5, PS4, Nintendo Switch, Xbox Series X, Xbox One. And it's a pretty substantial demo. It's about two hours. I'm super excited about this game because it's a new action platforming game. It's by the creators of Sonic the Hedgehog and Knights into Dreams. Those are two of my favorite games. Uh, I, I, I know everyone has played and likes Sonic, but personally, Knights into Dream, like that is just such a classic underrated game. Battle of Wonderworld is directed by the same director of that game. So Yuji Naka and has the same artist, so Naoto Oshima. And wow, can you tell, like, the characters in this game, I would say they actually look a little bit more like Knight's characters than Sonic the Hedgehog characters. You can definitely see connections to both of those franchises, but a little bit more on Knight's. And to me, like, man, that really hits home, because, like I said, I love Knight's. It's almost like revisiting that same world. That's what it felt like playing this demo. Definitely a good positive for me. And... There's four different levels that you get to experience with this demo. So you get to play Act 1, Chapters 1 and 2, Chapter 4, and Chapter 6. So pretty substantial. And there's actually uh, like a main hub world as well that you get to explore. The first thing that I really noticed with this game, the first like real plus that I have for it, is I thought the story, you can tell that there's a lot of thought that went behind it. It's a really magical story. It 
it's the the main star of this is uh, Balance. So he's sort of like a theater maestro. He looks so cool. He's got such a cool uh, outfit. He's he's wearing like this like white tuxedo. He's wearing this big top hat that has cutouts for his eyes. And he just looks he looks really cool. He looks really interesting. And the main stars of this game are two characters. They they look like teenagers, young. There's a young boy named Leo. There's a young girl named Emma. And at the very beginning of the game, they you can actually select from four different character models for them. It's basically like you can you can select different hairstyles and skin tones for them. So I thought that was really cool. And then also the game actually supports local co-op. Definitely if you've got someone else in the house that loves platforming games, this will be a, a fun game, I think, for the whole family to play. The main enemy in this game is this character named Lance. He's sort of like this dark character. He's got some tentacles coming out of his back. And it looks like what he does is he has the ability to possess humans in the real world, especially humans that are experiencing negative emotion. There's a cutscene in the game where there's a farmer who is tending to his crops. Something bad happens to his crops. He gets really upset that he's lost a bunch of his crops. So yeah, he's sad and, and mad and upset. Uh, Lance will come and, and he possesses this human that's experiencing all these negative emotions. And he sort of like fuels and powers up these negative emotions and turns him into this big boss that you have to fight. I thought it was a really cool idea. I thought definitely, you know, Balan is an interesting character. The The world is super interesting. It is like, you know, anyone who's seen the trailers will know this game here is like super focused on colors. Like it's got a bright palette of, of like blues and greens and you'll see like, you know, bright pink skies and, and rolling hills and all that. So it's definitely, ha it has like this sort of like, you know, magical, colorful, dreamlike state to it, which is pretty cool. And one other thing that I thought was really interesting is that the graphics in this game, to sort of like emphasize that this is a dream world, there's a couple of things that happen. First is that the world itself sort of like bends the further off you see into the distance. It's almost like the world is like a cylinder. And then what happens is, is, is as you move forward into a level the level sort of like flattens out. It's cool. Like you almost get to see the world being built right in front of you, which does add to that magical element. And then you'll also see time ripples that are happening all around you. So they, they just sort of like randomly appear in the sky, on, on the ground, in the walls and stuff like that. So again, it just sort of reinforces that you're in this sort of like dreamlike state and you're just sort of experiencing the inter fantasies of these kids that you're playing as. Now, what's really cool about this game is that there are so many costumes that you get. There are, I believe in total, there, there's at least 80. And in the demo, I had a chance to check out uh, over 10 of them. When you're a boy or, or playing as the girl, you only have one move. You have one button, which is so strange. Like, we're so used to games that you pretty much utilize every button on the controller, but... This one, you've got one. You got jump. That's what you do. But you can actually get these costumes. So what you have to do is you have to find a key. And then you there's like uh, costume orbs that you can unlock with the keys. And then you become these uh, costume characters. And the costumes will bestow special powers onto you. The very first one that I got was one called Tornado Wolf. And it allows you to spin around almost like Crash Bandicoot. So you can spin around. You can break blocks. You can hit enemies. 
There's one that I got, which is called the Jumping Jack. You're like a rabbit. It's almost like playing as, say, like Yoshi. So you've got sort of like a flutter jump, and that allows you to uh, to jump further and reach further platforms. And there's all kinds of, of cool costumes. Some of the, the costumes I thought were like big highlights for me is um, there's one called the Soaring Sheep. Essentially allows you to float, so you can jump and then you can sort of like float down to platforms below you. But what's cool is there are fans and, and gusts of wind that if you float into them, they can sort of like push you up high in the air and then you can float down to, you know, to even further off platforms. So I thought that was pretty fun. There's one also that I liked that was called the Aero Acrobat. And this one actually lets you jump and then lock on to different characters and then you can perform lunging kicks. If there's four or five enemies all clustered together, you can just sort of combo them in the air. And it looks really cool. You just sort of like fly around and you kick them. And the other thing that this costume lets you do too is there are balloons around some of the levels and you can kick the balloons. It essentially lets you jump up higher. So there might be a balloon up in the air so you can kick it and then you'll jump again. You can hit another higher balloon. So it lets you access new areas. You know, it's a pretty interesting mechanic. Uh, another one that I thought was really fun was, let's see, there's one called the Pumpkin Puncher, which uh, lets you rocket punch. That's pretty useful when you're in combat or you're in a boss fight. There is one that is called the Gear Prince. And so there's a whole bunch of gears that are sticking out of the wall. When you play as the Gear Prince, you can walk up to the gears and you can essentially like lock yourself into them. And then you can turn the gears and by turning the gears, you sort of like unlock different elements of the game. So you might make a platform appear or you might make a platform move down so you can jump on it. So it's really cool. This costume just sort of lets you unlock new elements and levels and, and explore further. You can have up to three costumes in your active inventory. So you can swap between those three costumes and then you can also bank costumes. So banking is a pretty crucial element of this game. Essentially, once you have three costumes, and if you collect a fourth costume, whatever costume is currently in your third slot will bounce off, and that goes into your inventory. So what you want to do in this game, I found, is you want to bank all these costumes. Because the thing is, during the levels that, that you play, there's a bunch of different checkpoints. And at the checkpoints, you can open up your wardrobe, and then you can swap out your costumes. So if you have a bunch of costumes banked, then you can go into your wardrobe, you can select a new costume, and you can use that power in the level. And what I found very quickly in this game is that there might be more costumes that you need to bring into that level in order to find all the collectibles and get all the secrets. Like as an example, the very first level had spider webs on the wall. I never actually had a chance in the four levels that I played to find. There, there is a spider costume that I saw in one of the trailers, which allows you to climb up the spider web, but you don't actually get that in this demo. So you're going to have to find it out, you know, probably later on in the game, you're, you're going to get access to the spider costume. And then you can go back to the first level, access those spider webs, which will let you explore more of that level. There's real incentives to just not play this game in order. You have to jump around. There might be like a specific costume that you need. You find it later on, and then you backtrack, and then you can find more collectibles or access more of the levels. In terms of the collectibles, there's quite a few. There's balance statues. Seems like every stage has about seven to eight balance statues to collect. And what ends up happening with those is after you collect a certain amount, 
that's how you unlock more levels. So I think the first one was, if I remember right, it was eight. Like once I collected eight statues, that's when I could unlock some more levels. The second tier was 20 statues. And I think I'm at 19 now. So I, I want to go back to the demo Try to see if I can find one more statue and see if that unlocks any more. I don't think it will, but hey, you know, it's worth trying out. The other thing is that you also collect red, yellow, blue, and rainbow drops. So they kind of look like gems. They're all over the stage. What you do is you go back to the main hub world. It's called the Isle of Tims. And Tims are these cute, cute, cute characters. They're probably some of the cutest characters I've ever seen in a game. They look like a mix of, I would say, like a fluffy baby chicken matched with Kirby. So these Tim characters, what you do is you, you take these like colored drops that you get in the game, you bring it into this hub world, and then you feed them. So there's like, there's specific fields or color-coded fields. So there might be like a red field where you can drop your red drops and a blue field where you can drop your blue drops and you feed these Tims and that makes them essentially grow. They get bigger, they gain new powers. You can also find eggs and you can bring the eggs back to the Isle of Tims and you can hatch little baby ones. So I, I had like sort of like medium sized Tims and like super cute, like one third the size babies that were just hopping around. And then the other thing too is there is sort of like a central area of this Isle of Tims and the little Tim characters will essentially jump on this wheel that spins. And as the wheel spins, it'll essentially build up sort of like, a, a, I guess like a building or, or a big contraption in the middle of this island. So first they build the base and then they build level one, level two. I only got to build up to level two and then it looks like it locks. So I imagine in the full game, you can keep on building this I don't know what it's going to end up being. It's going to be a tower. Is it going to be a building? I don't know what, what it is, but essentially you build this thing in the middle and it's it's pretty interesting. As I mentioned, the Tims can also gain powers. I didn't really see a whole lot of that in the demo. I guess the final game is going to really explore that a little further. So I'm really excited to see how the Tims are going to help you out throughout the game. And then let's see, what else is there? Oh, there's Balan Top Hats. So Balan Top Hats are items that you can collect in levels. And what that does is... It initiates this mini game. So Balin, that maestro character I mentioned earlier, it's basically it's like a cinematic cutscene with quick time events. So Balin will battle the enemies. Usually it's Lance. And uh, and so it'll show him just sort of like flying around in the air. He'll do drop kicks. He'll do flying punches. He'll throw fireballs, stuff like that. And there will be like sort of like the main Balin and then a shadow version of Balin. And when the shadow sort of intersects with the main Balin, that's where you have to hit your button. So that's how, where the quick time event comes in. And then you get graded. So you can be, if, if you like, if you match the shadow exactly, you get excellent. If it's a little off, you get great. If it's a little bit more off, you get good. And then if it's totally off and you just, you know, push the button at the wrong time, you get an oops. So there's probably like four or five different quick time buttons that you have to press. And then it tallies up your results. And depending on how well you did, you get your magic drops multiplied. So it could be like a 50% multiplying factor if you hit all the quick time events perfectly. It could be a 20% if you missed some of them or, or were a little bit off. And so it'll essentially take a look at your stock. Let's say you've got like, you know, a hundred uh, drops in your inventory. And if you get a 50% bonus, then bam, you got 50 extra drops. 
that's how that works. So those were the things that I, I really thought were interesting. It's it's definitely a game that I cannot wait to play the full title. Um, the main reason why really is is I want to explore these worlds and they, they're super interesting to look at. But the main thing is the costumes because as I said, I only had a chance to play about ten of them, and if there's eighty in total, I really cannot wait to see what the other seventy are going to do. So in terms of things that I didn't like or things that I think could be improved in this game. The first one is I thought the movement of your character is just a, a tad too slow. I don't think it's going to change between now and the final game. I mean, I think it's coming out very soon. Just a little bit too slow for me. I thought that there were some camera issues. This tends to happen a lot with 3D platforming games. I don't think it's like horrendously bad, but when you first start the game, the camera is actually set to automatic. So it'll just sort of like, it'll move around and you don't really have to touch it. But at least if you find the camera uh, motion to be, uh, you know, a little bit off, I definitely recommend going into the options. You can turn it to manual. That made it a lot better for me, for sure. So I, I could control the camera with the right analog stick. For some odd reason, every now and again, the automatic would still take over. <laughs> so it's not entirely manual. It's like 95% manual, but there's the odd time that it... It'll just take over and, and sort of adjust. So that was still a little bit annoying. But yeah, I'm hoping maybe through patches, they can just sort of make the camera just a little bit smoother. And I also thought too that the transitions between the costumes were really slow. Took about, I would say, like a second or maybe two seconds to swap between the costumes. It doesn't sound like a lot of time. But the thing is, is that you're constantly switching costumes. So waiting for a second here, waiting for a second there, second here, second there, second here. Takes a while. And the other thing too, is that like I said you get three slots so if you're currently wearing the costume in your first slot and you need to get to your costume in your third slot you got to flip through two so then you've got to wait you know two or three seconds it just takes a while again I'm just hoping that that gets sped up a little bit the last thing here that I'm hoping gets a little bit better in the game is that I thought that there was not a lot of enemies it's really surprising because in platforming games you tend to, like if you're playing, say, like a Mario game, you'll have dozens of enemies every single level, right? As soon as the level begins, enemies start attacking you. But in this game, it's not really like that. This game's actually a lot more about exploration. In the very first level, if I remember correctly, I, I might have fought five enemies, and this would have been maybe a 25-minute level that I was playing. There's just really not a whole lot of combat. There's there's boss fights, right? I had a chance to do one of the boss fights in this, which was really fun. It was really colorful and exciting boss fights, so there's there's that element but the actual levels themselves. So I was playing the earlier levels. Like I said, it was World 1, World 4, World 6. As far as I know, there's 12 worlds in total in this game. So I'm hoping that as you get further in the game, they just add more enemies and there's more combat. Like there are some combat-focused costumes. Like I said, there's the wolf with the spin. There's also that pumpkin costume where you can punch. So I just want to get a little bit more use out of them by having more enemies. So hopefully later in the game, I get to see a little bit more of them. Well, that about wraps up my thoughts on Balan and Wonderworld. Overall, I'm pretty excited. There's a lot that I really enjoyed in this game. The costumes I thought were great. Balan and uh, Lance, the protagonist and antagonist, were really cool. There's actually a lot to the levels. A lot of verticality in some of the levels. There's just a lot of hidden secrets and collectibles. And so I can't wait to really check that out. I think I'm just going to have a lot of fun. Like, just collecting 80 costumes and then trying to figure out how I use all these costumes and how I can, 
you know, essentially unlock all of the collectibles in each of the stages using all these 80 costumes. The last thing that I'm really excited about is the Isle of Tims. Like, there's that hub world that you go to, and I want to see how the Tims are going to evolve. I want to see this, you know, building or, that I'm, I'm building in the middle there. I want to see what it eventually does and why I'm building it and all that. So a lot of, like, you know, some interesting questions, some elements that you don't really get to fully explore. They just sort of tease it in the demo. But it's super exciting because the demo is going to be available this week. So everyone's going to have a chance to check it out. Definitely, I suggest no matter what platform you're on, download the demo and check that out. So that about wraps it up for this episode. I'm Next Gen Player. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at DownToPlayCast. And you can also check me on my personal Twitter account at Next Gen Player. We are always down to play. Mm.